Yeah. You know, it's funny. Actually, you were just talking about uh, McDonald's, and I just found out recently that my wife mistakenly believed that when she was a kid, the slogan for McDonald's was, you get what you get at McDonald's today. No. Yeah. So no way. <laughs> I was, she was convinced. I was like, it's no way. It's no way. It's it's no way you it, it's you get what you get. <laughs> I mean, that might be the, the sort of the truth of it, but there's no way that they were like that sort of self-reflective and honest. We did a little investigation. We found out that it actually it's you'll love what you get at McDonald's today. So that makes a little more sense. But I do love I. I love the fact that for so long she was just like, you get what you get. Get what you get. You get what you get. And what you get is a new roommate. <laughs> I love that I listened to that whole I listened to that whole episode. I love that character. I want him to come back. But it's it's so hard to get him into a conversation as as evidenced by this. <laughs> to shoehorn him in. You have to bring in your Well, at this point you just say Hyundai Daily City roommate and if you you're with us, you're with us. If not, you get what you get. You get what you get at McDonald's <laughs> <Yeah>. today. Hey. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he, we'll have to wait for a little bit because that guy, uh, canonically, in the sort of fiction of our show, that guy's in prison. <laughs> Is there a fucking, like, uh, hold on one second. Hold on. I got you. 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 Okay. Oh. <laughs> hey, waiting. man. Oh. Did you take this call collect? <laughs> you get what you get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, hey, man. You send me some top ramen. Uh, I'm a little hungry. That stuff you like gold in here, buddy. Yeah, man. What are you in here for? <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm on the phone. Oh, man. Where am I? This day is turning worse. Who did I call? <laughs> you, you called yourself, brother. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Am I a looper? Oh, I knew <laughs> Oh, man, I have to go up to go kill myself because I'm a looper. I knew it. It's my old bees out there traipsing around in a time he shouldn't be, and I gotta kill him. Oh, boy. <laughs> Am I a looper? <laughs> That's the craziest question ever. This is like Jet Li's movie, The One. You gotta kill me before I kill you and steal your power. All right, all right, looper me. This has been a eye-opening conversation. <laughs> Pop saga, you know we keep it groovy. Uh-huh. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no lava. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Saga. The first episode of 2022 or 2020 as well. 
depending on who you are. This week, we are celebrating Sci-Fi Day. Not responsible for us being a few days late, even though technically we are recording it on Sci-Fi Day. We'll be talking some sci-fi, something old, something new, something borrowed, and something turning into a Transidorian falcon. I'm John, the Bene Gesserit Deacon Daddy, and as always, I'm joined by Captain Gerard Forrest Dew of the USS Budget. Their mission to explore new highways and upcharge you on gas. How you doing, <laughs> Captain Forrest Dew? <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Oh, man. What a weird mission we have, though. Yeah, well, you know, you're on a budget. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. And also... Is it, but no, it's Hertz. Isn't that the rental car company that's, that's reporting people's cars? Like they stole them. They'll rent a car. They'll be like, <laughs> five seconds later, they'll be on the phone to the police being like, officer, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. A man came in here, showed me his license and I, I was compelled to give him the keys. And then he took a Nissan Sentra and he never returned for the last four hours. Don't tell me that's true. Yeah, and there all these people are getting their cars like they'll rent cars from Hertz. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll take them, you know, they'll drive them around, do whatever they want. It's their rental car. Yep. And Hertz will be like, Oh my god, where did this car go? <laughs> they'll have it, they'll report it stolen, and a tow truck will come and like take the car back. So someone's just stranded out there without a car, and then on their like, you know, Hertz account it's reported as like stolen or whatever. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look it up yourself. Look, I mean, go out there. If it's Enterprise or one of these other companies, very sorry, Hertz, but I'm almost positive it's Hertz. I mean, it sounds like it's in the name. Yep. <laughs> you know. Love Hertz. Hertz. So does renting from, from our dealership. <laughs> yep. From Hertz. We'll report your car <laughs> that you rented properly, stolen, <laughs> for some reason. Yep, exactly. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what happened. Holy shit. Yeah, it's weird, right? That is crazy. Like, uh, yeah, I'd like to report a, uh, uh, a carjacking. Someone, yeah. <laughs> well, one of our, they just came behind the counter and took their keys and they signed for the supplementary insurance like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they, they, and they, then paid. they stole that, that, uh, that Ultima, that ult the base Ultima with the roll up windows. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good car. No wonder they tried to steal it. People Look are clamoring it. for those roll up handles. You can't find them anywhere. Yeah, for some reason, they just stopped making cars with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember getting in a car with power windows for, like, the first time. Yeah. It was like, welcome to the future. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, it's this, then we're getting flying cars. Yeah. Right? <laughs> logical next step is flying cars of course i mean someone figured out uh, a motor and a switch they got it all <laughs> they got it figured out that's why i love living in the uh you know the hyundai daily city it's got it's power a, windows it's a spacious back seat and it's got syntex fiber synthetic fibers that easily wick away moisture and i can tell you that's one of my number one <laughs> on my list when i'm searching for a car to, to be someone's roommate in. 
if this is your first episode of Pop Saga, don't don't listen to this one first. <laughs> let's, I mean, let's do go back a few episodes at least, so you get this Daily City joke. Yeah, we're very uh, we're very proud of it. Um, this is a character that's gonna be around for a long time. So if you don't like him, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm hoping to bring uh, uh, him. And then I somehow have to trademark Baby Terminator. Of course, yeah, Baby Terminator's got to make a uh, a reprisal when it's when it's appropriate. Appropriate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just just not there for no 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 shits and giggles. It has to be important. It's like one of you know, it's like a meal or a movie that you really love. You know, you, you don't want to burn yourself out on it. You want to yep. come back to every time it it's gonna happen. It's gonna be like putting a delicious sauce over over your 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 terrible steak that you had in Napa. Oh man, don't remind me of that. <laughs> like someone's like, "Hey, you like Pennzoil? I mean, I guess it's good for a car maybe. Well, let's just put it on your steak." Mm. Uh, 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 can it can't you just do salt and pepper? Nope. Pennzoil it is. <laughs> can uh, can we go back to the 90s just use an herb butter? And never. You want cream fresh? Ha! We don't got that in here. We got rank oil, though. We got sour cream and motor oil. Mm-hmm. Can I just get sour cream? Motor oil it is, sir. <laughs> Excellent choice. Uh, oh. ah, the 10W40. Good year. Yeah, um, can you just spray down this uh, steak with some WD40? It's a little squeaky. <laughs> a little squeaky. Uh, uh, how do you like your yeah. steak? Cook it de- it depends on the steak and where I'm eating it. That's a really good answer. Yeah, like if I'm going to you know the greatest steakhouse ever, Outback. <laughs> no wrongs, just right. This was never. This is not. This was invented in Indiana. Yeah. Well, hey, at least they know how to cook a steak in Indiana. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I actually I don't know where Outback was invented, but it wasn't Australia. <laughs> I can guarantee that much. No. No. <laughs> If somebody watched like uh was a crocodile dundee who was just like I'm make a steak place out of that guy. Uh, <laughs> Paul Hogan. Yeah, like Paul Hogan looks like a walking steak. So I figure at that point I'm just going to put him Oops. on there. We're going to get some fosters and we're going to get a uh, onion and we're going to deep fry the hell out of it and then we're just going to call everything like, you know, Dijri this and boomerang that or kububa chicken wings or whatever if and people you, are gonna love it if you are asking me if if i'm recommending outback i'm gonna say uh i know <laughs> i think outback steakhouse is very bad maybe i've only been to uh maybe i've only been to a bad outback but it Here's the thing. I went there. Mm. They had really weird sides. I mean, obviously yes. we're getting steaks or whatever, but they have like weird sides. The dishes are strange. So I, it was that moment that I looked up, where is this from? And I found out, of course, it was made by some American dude, you know, just inspired by the concept of Australia. Basically, exactly what you said. It was like they were like, cool, Crocodile Dundee is popular. Let's make a Outback-themed restaurant but there's like no connection to australia so not you can't even blame the weird sides on like oh well this is how they must eat it down under yeah no 
I don't know. It's just somebody just is just like, I like, you know, cheese in my potatoes. And also I like sugar and, you know, bako bits. And you're just going to get a loaded wallopy smash. <laughs> and that's your thing. I mean, yeah, no, look, I'm not saying Outback's good. Far from it. I'm just going like, if I had to pick a steak done this there, it's well to medium well. But if I go to a real steakhouse, depending on the cut, you know, medium rare to medium so for the most part. That okay, That's awesome. I think for me, medium rare to medium is like the, the perfect doneness for steak. But... When you, but you're saying if you go to Outback Steakhouse, is it just because you don't trust those steaks or like how long they've been sitting in the freezer or something that you're just like, yeah, because the it. fucking uh, sides burn. are called Qualiby Smash. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know what they're doing <laughs> back there. That's like, good... you know, it's like, look, I go into Sizzler. I'm not going to trust them to flame kiss a steak, burn the shit out of it. I'm not there for the steak, I'm there for the salad bar. It's fine, but you, like, of you, course, yeah, you got to go to Sizzler for the salad bar, right? You know, I want all those chicken wings. I want them gross tacos. I want ambrosia for some reason. I don't know why ambrosia. I don't know why the food of the gods is at the Sizzler salad bar, but it is, and that's what I want. But like, I'm just gonna be like, char broil the steak because I don't trust where it is. But I'm hoping that if you burn the hell out of it, you're going to get rid of whatever was on it. Uh, that's pretty. I think that's pretty reasonable, man. You just brought yeah. up ambrosia. That is such. It's like what the hubris in naming ambrosia. Ambrosia. They're just like, oh, okay. I got whipped cream. Yeah. I got Jello. Yep. <laughs> I got some grapes or something. Yeah. And it's like I mix it all together until it looks like vomit, and then food of the gods. Yeah, this is what this is what Zeus would eat. Is it? <laughs> yes, he would eat this. He totally he loves Jello, uh, green particularly, <laughs> and canned peaches. Who doesn't love canned peaches? <laughs> Ambrosia should just be called. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know what to do. I'm sorry. Oh, don't you don't have to eat it. I'm sorry. That's the 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 entirety of that sentence should be the name of the. I'm sorry for ambrosia. That's like when you want to end a friendship with somebody. You they like invite you to a potluck and you bring ambrosia and just totally straight face, just like here you go. And then yeah. you're like, and then you keep coming up to them at the potluck and be like, did you try the ambrosia? It's so oh my god, the whipped cream. <laughs> uh, can you get it out of the sun though? It's starting to melt and attract everything. <laughs> it is the food of the gods, after all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so many people got sick that night from that ambrosia salad. Yeah, that um, is a good way to ruin a friendship, though, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Now you know why I'm o I am only ever leave parties without saying goodbye, because I'm always the one who brings the ambrosia salad. <laughs> I have to get out there before they... They have a chance to hold me to task for my, my transgression. Cue Ambrosia, line up Sad Hulk music, I'm out of there. <laughs> Put the old Sad Hulk music on the uh, uh, on the old Bluetooth speaker, and then I'm out of here. And it, the, the, the music will cut out as soon as I'm do, 10 feet do, away. Do, do, do. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just... 
run to your car. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's the perfect segue. Ambrosia salad. Is there anything more looking like it was a prop from a '90s sci-fi show than Ambrosia salad looks? Um, because we're here to talk about not talk about Outback Steakhouses, even though I don't blame you if you're confused. But it's Sci-Fi Day, so we're doing a little show about you know sci-fi in general. And uh, you know, John, uh, a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was the last <coughs> episodes episode, mm-hmm. uh, you talked about watching Star Trek, and that inspired me. I thought, how can I, how can I repay John for this promise he'll never keep? <laughs> And so I thought, well, here's one show that I have con- consistently tried to watch and just bounced off of, but I feel like I'm in a new headspace. I am mm-hmm. an old man now, and so maybe it's time to give Babylon Phi a try. Uh, Babylon Phi. Babylon Five uh, a try again. No, it's Babylon Five. Not yep. Babylon Five uh. It's Babylon Five. Uh. I think that's how it's pronounced. I mean, they have the Babacom. <laughs> <laughs> the Babcom as their internal communications network. So I think it might be Babylon 5. All right, I'm not going to get an argument with you about this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not. It's Babylon 5. Of course, it's a number. It's not even spelled out. You can't even argue that's Fiva. Yeah, except if you don't know what the number 5 looks like. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was Babylon's. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird looking S. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, man. Babylons. Maybe that's what the, the Centuri call it. They call it Babylon Fiva. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that's Londo would. Yeah. And <laughs> Garibaldi. Hell, Garibaldi. My favorite. One of my favorite characters. Garibaldi, what are you doing? Are you, aren't you? Shouldn't you be at your son's soccer game? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Everyone on that show, every all of the leading male characters just look like dads. Like this was like something they did in their garage, uh, they, like on uh, the weekends. Uh, they, you mean they look like real people you would see in space? Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's that's uh, hallmark number one of that show. Is the fact that the people look like they uh, would actually be there versus, you know, like, I don't know. Hey, seven and nine, you're Borg. Let's remove all your Borg stuff. What happens is, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's well, go yeah. find us a few more Borgs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what happens if we take your Borg stuff out? Oh. Oh, whoa. All right, put it back in. <laughs> Send him back to the cube. Yeah, uh, he's gonna shoot him deep I into mean, the Delta quad. I mean, the but Babylon Five, I think, suffers from the same sort because they introduced Seven of Nine in Voyager like season, I think, four. But like, so I think Babylon Five starts off that way. But I mean, Bruce Boxleitner is is kind of a snack. You have to you have to admit that he's a he's a real handsome fella, especially yeah, you, compared you, to Sinclair. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking Bruce Boxleiter at all. To this day, I wish I looked as good as he does now. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I am old and curmudgeony, but somehow <laughs> he's aged like a fine Babylon Five guy. TV show. 
Man, that this the guy who plays Sinclair looks like somebody that you would like he looks like somebody's dad who you find out after he divorced his his wife is dating one of his kids like high school friends. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of. He he's looks, like, he looks like he's going to sit you down and tell you that he's your stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a, he's got a real, he's got a real uh, vibe to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, I mean, I love him in his own right. I, you know, obviously Sheridan is like the captain I've gravitated towards or the commander I gravitated towards the most. But he Sinclair, has a lot more episodes too. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, if I remember correctly, Sinclair is only in the first season, and then yeah. they're just like, "Hey, hey, Brucey, we got a role for you," and then they 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 sexed it up a little bit. <laughs> um, like, we gotta make this. We gotta make people want to watch the show, uh, not because it doesn't have actually very quality uh, character development, and the fact that there are very few bottle episodes and everything kind of plays out in this grand design. No, 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 no. We just need uh, some sexier moments. Um, th- to that, though, Sinclair has a very no, like, nonsense attitude about him. Uh-huh. Where he's just like, I look, I've seen a lot of shit. I've fought the Mimbari. For some strange reason, I don't remember a day. And then people constantly want to keep reminding me that I don't remember a day. <laughs> You know, and it just, sure. it really sucks. And I'm, like, running the last one of these stations that exist because the other four got blown up. That's such a great, that's such a great part of the first episode. They're like, uh, Babylon's one, two, and three were all sabotaged and exploded. <laughs> so it's like, wow, the, all three were, huh? Okay, wow, that's a very organized sabotage plot. And then the fourth one just disappeared without a tree. Why would anyone ever go to Babylon 5? It's like if they kept making Titanics after the Titanic sunk, and they kept just sinking, and people are like, well, this one's got to be the one. Well, I mean, it wasn't the boat's fault that it went into the water. It was the captain behind the boat who couldn't see that big-ass, uh, uh, you know, uh, iceberg in the water. Sure, I'm, all I'm saying is we don't, you know, buildings in modern, uh, you know, in modern buildings don't have a 13th floor. Uh, same. You know what I mean? <laughs> this well, is like if I I would be very suspicious of this station, considering uh, its pedigree. Uh, I seem to remember them building a Titanic two, Evan building <laughs> another one. Like they've they built they? replicas of Titanics. Yes. Well, because someone was like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna get one across this damn water, no matter the cost." <laughs> so. You know, it's like uh, they didn't keep making Ford Pintos, I think, for a reason. Because they, they had to make way for the quality Hyundai Daily Cities. Of course, yeah. Gotta get room in the marketplace for that Hyundai Daily City to get out yeah. of there. Greg, I mean, look. Listen, please buy it. Imagine. <laughs> imagine. Imagine a Sarah McLaughlin style commercial with just the guy. In the your roommate from the backseat of a Hyundai Daily City, he's just begging people to buy this shitty car so he could live in it <laughs> for for just 
$520 a month for, oh, Jesus. Six, for six years. You could give someone like me a second chance. I shot it living in the beautiful Daily City. <laughs> started watching it uh as i said i as i said i would and so this is where all the, these new feelings are coming from but i get a feeling like i don't remember too much of the cast changes but it feels like a lot of the people on the pilot don't make it <laughs> to the next to the regular series that is that is correct sir because <laughs> just like who what what's this i do have to say though i i luck because Babylon 5 to me has always been GoBots Star Trek. It's always been the, like the Deep Space Nine's GoBots was Babylon 5. And I think to a certain degree, a lot of that comes from the aesthetics because it's more grounded than Star Trek is. Star Trek feels kind of authentically of, the, of a future if it's not really futuristic anymore. But this feels much more grounded and sort of connected to Earth. It feels like a, a Paul Verhoeven uh, version of the future uh, a little more than Star Trek and I think that's one of the things that always kind of clanged for me but I, I have to say I am appreciating it more even though the the digital effects are unfortunate yeah I mean look they they really didn't even hold up back then even compared to like a Deep Space Nine and it's obviously it's easy to do those parallels it's both space stations both got ships you know, both have, you know, arguably the reason why I enjoy Deep Space Nine so much was that the stories stopped going to, like, singular episodes mm -hmm. and became more episodic. Or, like, there was a grander overall story arc that you Yeah, more serialized. Yeah, that you normally wouldn't get in a Star Trek show. And, you know, there are parallels. You know, there are prophecies in both. <laughs> there are, you know, like you know, very strong, you know, captains and commanders trying to hold it together. But I would say that in in terms of actual science fiction, Babylon 5 blows, like, Star Trek out of the water. Like, just in pure terms of, like, how these things would actually work and um, explaining the tech away a lot more, explaining what's happening within the space. Um you know, the Star Furies look like four-pixel ships because, you know, the CG wasn't that great. But they feel more real in what we would do with a space fighter. Um, I don't know. So that's why I've always enjoyed it more for that than just, say, kind of like the characters for from Deep Space Nine, who I really enjoyed. But I wasn't watching it because of the science fiction, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think... I th I, I agree and I disagree. I agree in that it it is much more grounded in terms of it feels like a future that is what we could imagine today, 
Whereas I think Star Trek is a much more fanciful future that has technology and concepts that we couldn't imagine. And so I think it probably just comes down to a matter a matter of preference because that well, kind of I... that kind of grounded sci-fi is good is is great too. Well, one is utopia based, right? That's what Star Trek is is a utopia. It, yeah, it was, at least as far as the Federation is concerned, or that's like they, how they would like to consider themselves. Well, I mean, universal income. It's not like you know, like there's a lot of things within the Star Trek future that I would be okay with yep. compared to like you know, I don't know, the Terminator or <laughs> yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's a bad future. That's not a good right future. or you know, like or like babylon five like even though earth is well protected but you know there were you know we almost got to it, it, in babylon five or b5 as the hip kids call it <laughs> do um, they, really? they do sometimes it's is just there, quicker that way is there going to be a uh, prequel called b4 no because that one disappeared remember <laughs> right yeah oh i'm sure they'll come back sometime oh but i do like the fact that it could be b4 yeah, okay, but it's you saw it. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got what you're there. doing there. I picked, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, there was like the Earth Mimbari War where the Mimbari almost like wiped us out. And then they're like, mm, nah. Oh, and yeah. Then, they stopped. They're like, nah, never mind. Yeah, but, you know, because the, there were prophecies and other They had their reasons, kind of as old. they say in the first episode. Yeah, and that's part of, you know, the whole thing, like the Sinclair. Like, I forget who it was. Was it, um, so it was like, there's a hole in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it's just because he doesn't like, um, you know, there's like a day that was just kind of burnt out. And he's like, hmm. who cares? Good luck. But I'm, I'm going to look at this terrible CG tree. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's like, like. Just stop showing even, it. Well, I mean, at that point, it's just like, just stop showing anything externally. And <laughs> yeah. you'll be okay. <laughs> or like, remember. I don't. Do they? You answer this for me. Do they keep this up through the uh, through the entire show? When there's a part when Sinclair and Garibaldi are are taking like the tram down the center of of, uh, uh, yeah. and they have their <laughs> strapped in like they're going bat to Batman the ride. <laughs> does the tram do loop de loops or something? It's well. So how the station does gravity is that you can the whole center section. Mm, centrifugal force they spin it at yeah, different speeds based. depending on how what kind of aliens live in what section and it, depending where you're at and then they kind of set you there so i think to deal with it yeah you're going on top gun <laughs> in the center <laughs> they have to because it's like there's no gravity because there's no centrifugal Ex force so they just have exactly to <laughs> see Versus in that instance just to, like give me some techno babble to explain that away so i don't have to look to characters hanging from the ceiling having a serious conversation <laughs> I, but that's the thing. That's what I love about it, because it it makes more sense in space than just like, oh yeah, we fig we figured all this stuff out. The one the one thing that I will always say about like the the, the differences and look flat out, Deep Space Nine and Babylon Five, even though they both have names and the numbers at the end of them, <laughs> are completely different shows. Yes, they they are not the same. It is easy to want to draw parallels to them. Or not the creators the, have come out and explained that the it was a misunderstanding any of the any of the sort of uh mud being slung back then it turned out it was just uh just some parallel thinking which actually happens a lot in entertainment especially exactly i forget what 
they they do call it like where somebody like puts it out there and it just seems like four movies of all you remember like yeah. there was armageddon and deep impact and i forget what other movie what uh the dante's inferno and volcano came out at the same time exactly you just like Oh, all right. Uh, everyone wants the world to blow up, I guess. And that's where we're at today. I feel you know. it. Everybody wants that a volcano movie. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make one. Or, you know, like, you know, Independence Day. And like then, like, someone's a couple years later, like, let's make Mars Attacks. It's mm-hmm. like Independence Day, but not as good. Oh, yeah. Or no. different, depending on how you feel it. That's who our character sounds like. Fucking Jack Nicholson from Mars Attacks. <laughs> 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 that almost recogni- unrecognizable role where he has like the cowboy hat on and everything, and the the, the big schnoz, and he's like, "Yeah, this is the UFO uh, casino. I have everything there. Dom P. <laughs> that's a but, that's a fun character. What a fun callback! It is a, a, a fucking flashback hit me there. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a hole in my mind in this case. <laughs> but the the main difference that I would say that. Every at the time, it's. It, I feel like it's gotten better now. But at the time, every like ship in Star Trek, even if they were from like different races or whatever, felt like they all belonged in the same universe. You know, like like yeah. Birds of Prey's and you know Enterprises and like you know uh, the. Um, God, what's the other one? The other, you know, the Klingon warbirds or whatever, mm-hmm. all feel like they could have been manufactured at the same factory with, like, some slight differences, where I feel like when you watch Babylon 5, everything feels truly unique to, you know, like the um, the Centauri versus the Narn versus, you know, like Earth. Like, they all, like, the... the the Mimbari, like all their tech feels very unique. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it also kind of showed how advanced each, you know, uh, civilization was where, you know, they, they wouldn't need to create centripetal force space stations because, you know, the Mimbari have figured out, uh, you know, gravity and inertialist drives. While, you know, like earth is just like, no, just keep spinning that fucker. That's the only way we're going to, Walk the, down this hallway, and the Mabari have uh, have different cut flavored rings that <laughs> do different magical things. Yeah, hey, they're one of the older, they're one of the older races out there. Yeah, uh, they know. they've got a green ring that creates hard light constructs. Hey, got me beat. <laughs> you know, but the Narn are very, you know, like. Their ships are very utilitarian because of their like subjugation done by the Centauri and the tension between Jakar and Londo. Like once you can get past the effects, which is really hard to do, I admit, you just will keep looking at it. I think the character bonds, especially in like the um the pilot, are very well established like stories and like there's more to it. It feels very lived in. It feels like it is a place like that they're trying to establish, you know, that uh, I forget. I think it's Londo or something talking about like a refuge or whatever for 
bits and bats and everybody else. Mm-hmm. It just feels it just feels very well lived in. I, I normally would say if you do enjoy Deep Space Nine, I would definitely say you should give Babylon Five a chance. It just it is a little bit of a slog with season one. Yeah, um, I could definitely feel it's paced like pretty slowly to start off with. And of course, Deep Space Nine has like they don't need to do a bunch of world building because they have the benefit of two previous series like fleshing out this entire universe. So they uh-huh. they don't have to like Babylon 5 has a much bigger task of like having to set up a universe that we're not aware of whereas like Deep Space 9 we're just like we're given all the we have most of these players, you know, they introduce a couple new chess pieces to the board, but in general, it's all known to us when we go in there. So we have it's much a more a much more comfortable watch, whereas Babylon Five is a little more challenging because they're trying to like introduce a bunch of stuff to you that you've never heard before, and you know, like you said, the visuals are really tough to get past because like you're talking about the different ship designs, and I think to a certain extent you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I, not to, I mean, I, I wouldn't compare this oh, to necessarily because the model work on Star Trek is just phenomenal, but like, yeah, I'm not, look, they yeah, tried, I'm, you know, they tried something. They were like, earth forces have boxy stuff and these other things are much, we will use, we'll kludge a bunch of spheres together with, uh, sort of a hideous green and yellow camouflage on them. And that will be another alien ship. It looks alien. It looks bad, but it looks alien. Yeah, again, they didn't have, like, ILM helping them with their model work and making all their stuff that, you know, Star Trek had. At best, they had, you know, like, Vancouver FX (laughs) warehouse, you know. They had Canadian ILM. Yeah, you know, ILA. ILM, eh? Eh, yeah. ILM as well. Uh, uh, Yeah, I would never say that. Like, in, in terms of, like, just VFX, I'm talking, and this is using your imagination, because you kind of have to with some of these ships. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially, like, the Mimbaris. Like, the White Stars, when those come around, you're just like, I don't know what's the front or the back. Uh, I don't know if there are wings, if they need wings. It just looks like... Um, yeah, just taking a bunch of spheres and stretching them to different sizes. And, uh, yeah, but it's fine. It looks good. And it's pinkish, sort of. <laughs> good luck. It's it's not that. It's just more about the fact that, like, everything feels uniquely to the different, like, you know, like the different races you encounter or the, the different species or however you want to, you know, whatever yeah, that's, you want to phrase. That's like, the problem. I think that's probably the benefit of doing it in CG because – when you think of something like Star Trek, you're like you're literally going to one master crafter. He's making all, or like you know, their company is making all the models for this this thing. And to a certain like, if you have an alien that just exists on one episode of Star Trek, he's getting a ship that they used for somebody else, and you're gonna stick a couple toothpicks on there and call it a brand new ship because you don't have the budget to make a whole new model. Whereas, yeah, you're uh, turning that shit upside down yep. and spray painting oh, it bronze. It now. <laughs> oh, it's a whole new thing. They do Wait, that, that just all the, the time. Is that the Enterprise just flying backwards? Nope. 
I mean, they, yeah, they do that too with a federation ship. There's so many canon federation ships that are kit bashed from other ones where you're just like, oh no, yeah. If you look close enough, you can just see all the parts from all the different things that they just, you know, stuck glue on the outside of this upturned dinner plate and stuck a bunch of stuff on. <laughs> but uh, the, the one that always gets me is like the one with the one nacelle. Because every time it looks like it flies, I just always expect it to go, hey, 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 <laughs> just as like it's spinning around. <laughs> It's just super wobbly. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pump the ballast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's there. And yeah, again, it's more. I I really wish like I know they did a HD update recently. Yeah, I'm watching. To... I'm watching it on uh, on HBO Max. I think it's the HD update because. Yeah, but it's not like there's a lot of stuff. You're like, oh. I bet they wish you didn't see that in HD. (laughs) Like, I feel like, I mean, it's a lot of episodes, you know. It's like, I think it's over 100 episodes they did total. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, like 111, I think. Yeah, and it's just like, it it would take a lot to, you know, remake a lot of these effects, I guess. But I wish they kind of would do that because I think the story there is really intriguing. And especially when, like, Orlons get involved and you have the shadow war and all that stuff. It gets really like really crazy. And I think, you know, J. Michael Straczynski is really great at building worlds. What like else I've has always he done? Oh dude. Dude, you're at oh my god. Okay. You okay. Do you not know? Right. Or? No, I know. It's just so much shit. Are you looking so it he, up? Are you vamping right now? You looked up. No, no. It's literally so much shit. So he did a lot of cartoons. So for sure. He, like, I remember seeing his name in He-Man episodes. Mm-hmm. He did Spiral Zone. Um, do you remember Captain Power? Uh-huh. And the Soldiers of the Future. He set that all up. Whoa, okay. Um, I mean, he was really a prolific, like, a TV writer first, but he also did um, Powers, that uh, comic book. Oh, um, I like that book. Why did I not remember that he had done that? Hey, everyone. Editor John here. Uh, I was thinking he did Rising Stars, and then he did a run. I'm not sure if he did the full stint on Supreme Powers. Not Powers, but by Brian Michael um chalk that up to uh, recording fog there you go anyway editor john out yeah he like when he's building a world he builds the world um like holy shit i think uh i didn't see sense eight so i can't talk about that but that <laughs> one <laughs> yeah he, yeah, you know, hey, all can't be winners, I guess. You know what I mean? But uh, uh, he, he fucking, like, he's just done so many different things. But I, I feel like his opus has always been Babylon 5. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It definitely, I'm looking through his, uh, I'm looking through his credits here. And just in terms of a writer, he hasn't really been doing much back I think the last the last thing on his credits is Shadow Man. Pre-production, he's a writer on Shadow Man. Is that a video game adaptation? Yep. <laughs> okay. I mean, sure. Yeah, why not? 
Yeah, why exactly? <laughs> he also did. If I remember correctly, he did a really maybe a Hulk run. Like he's he also does a lot of comic book writing too. So like his and ghost writing, like writing for other things to help people figure shit out. Yeah, he, sure. He like, but the world that he built with Babylon Five is uh, excellent. It's it. uh, good, but I uh, like it. Yeah, I like it. I'll I like take it. it. I'll take it to the bank and I'll, I'll cash it. Sorry, Mr. Krasinski. Uh, this is Babylon 5 prop money. Uh-oh. You know what, my bad bucks? <laughs> just guess, <laughs> that's just guessing that's what they're called based on the hilarious fact that the communications system is called Babcom. I mean, Babylon's a word, you guys. You can't just shorten it and put it in front of com. Uh, fantastic car. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Happens a lot. You know, fucking Batmobile. Uh, you could just call it a mobile. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think Batmobile works better. Batphone. <laughs> well, so that's both words. This is <laughs> Babcom. I guess it's short for Babylon 5 Communications. That is just funny. I just was like, is the toilet called the Bab John? <laughs> or <laughs> the Bab WC? <laughs> no, it's sh- no, it's called the shitter. It's called the Bab shitter. Yeah, you take a shit back here in the Bab shitter. <laughs> anyway, I'm, it's uh, c- I- I'm watching it. So we'll check hey. in periodically as uh, as I get through these uh, these series. I'm 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 I got the the pilot down, and now I'm I'm interested to see what happens next. You know what? Thank you for that. I'm, I, I I do have the episodes ready to watch for um, Discovery. Um, so I will maintain my promise eventually. <laughs> hey, yeah, there was no timeline set on it, so I guess you got you got as much time as you want. There you go. In that case, 2025, Discovery, here I come. <laughs> uh, yeah, so and, and, and I would say I, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to say this is going to be like a reoccurring show, but we're just going to check in. We're going to check in and see how my Babylon 5 adventure is going. And I guess if, I love it. if you out there are interested in having a little more time dedicated to Babylon 5 here and there, let us know. Because, oh, you know, maybe we'll both be so into it. We'll, we'll just be like, hey, it's the... <laughs> Pop song is just called Babylon Saga now. It's Bab Song. Bab Song. <laughs> From now on. And uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows what, what we'll decide. But we're not just here just to talk about, just rant about Babylon 5. We got some big sci-fi juggernauts to, that ended out the, uh, the year. Uh, did we? We did indeed. Now, now You're John, not talking about the Eternals, are you? No. <laughs> no. Good. Good. Now, John, have you seen both of these things? Are we? Is it okay to talk about? I don't think we've talked about this, but have you seen The Matrix? Have you seen The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 1? Yes, I've seen both. Okay, fantastic. Well, then, this is our chance to tell you out there, spoiler alert. I, I put it in the description, and if you, you didn't read that, woe to you, but we're going to talk some spoilies. I think it'll be unavoidable about these two big things. So if you haven't seen it, you know, take a pause, go check it out, and come back to the episode. Finish it up. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> All right. 
What was that? A spoiler brew? Yep, it's a little. I've got a, a pound, a pound, a pint of Irish death. All right, good luck. It's very good. Yeah, well, it's nice knowing you. Uh, Babsog is not going to happen after all. He's drinking Irish death. Babsog. Babsog is the worst. That's the worst name ever. Um, not good. It's not good. <laughs> well, we'll workshop it. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Where What would you like to talk about first? Shall we talk about the Boba or the Matrix? Uh, let's talk about the... Um, the Boba Tea? Let's, yeah. Let's talk about Book of Boba Tea. The Book um, of Boba Tea. Tapioca edition. Well, there's not much to like... Since it was the first episode, there's not like a lot to... Um, latch on to than say no. the matrix um that's and, true uh, yeah. yeah i have a i have a lot to say about the matrix mm-hmm. so uh yeah i think that's what, yeah that will be why yeah. the irish death has been popped but um yeah book of boba fett what what did you think um it's a show yeah okay okay this is interesting this is okay me too i kind of came away with the same feeling like okay like I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, it's Star Wars, so I'm gonna give it a shot. I mean, it's new Star Wars on a weekly basis, so I'm, I'm gonna continue to watch it. But uh, I don't know, man. That first episode, I don't know. So like, it wasn't. How about like this? It wasn't like when I watched the first episode of The Mandalorian, right, and immediately yeah. was like, I need to watch that again. Yeah, just exhilarated. Like it, it felt like fresh and new, but it was touching on something you always were interested in. Exactly. This was like, okay, let's see what happens, and you know, I'll go with the flow of what happens. Um, I love the fact that you know the first ten, twelve minutes, nothing's really said. You know, like we're just mm-hmm. kind of nice going touch. like through these motions. A lot of great visual storytelling there. Um, you know, but I, at the end of it, I was like, okay, so what is this? Like, <laughs> exactly. What is going to happen in this show? Right? Like, I'm just waiting for more to happen. But, um, you know, I, I, I was happy to see, you know, him break free of the Sarlacc. Um, Sure. I, I, not the way I would have done it, but, you know, it was good enough. Yeah, I, I was he's... very upset that Dangar wasn't part of his escape as a fan of the extended universe. You know, I wanted yeah. Dangar to come along and then invite him to be the best no, man at Dangar's wedding. No one's acknowledging Dangar, dude. <laughs> what? Come on. That dude Come is just on. covered in that dude is just covered in brown armor and toilet paper. No one likes Dangar. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hey, I'm Dangar. I'm here to rescue Boba Fett. Sorry, it's egg salad sandwich. Uh, <laughs> you know, on my fingers, it's got mustard, but I'll reach into this maw. And I was, it would have been cool and definitely a lot of fan service if they would have done that. But then they'd also have to spend way too much time explaining who the fuck Dangar is to the, the this new batch of fans. Because mo- I guarantee most of them aren't like, and so the Empire Strikes Back, those bounty hunters there, that one that just kind of 
looking a little derpy off to the left there. <laughs> One that looks that, like that. he was halfway through changing out of his mummy costume. He just was just like, uh, I showed up. <laughs> you like, <laughs> I heard there was a call for the voice. Uh, I'm here to sing. Oh no, you you. We need to go hunt people. No, never mind. <laughs> like, like he's not well well known. Um, so like I wasn't ever expecting him to be there to rescue him. So, but it, it would have been a nice touch. Yeah, uh, uh, here's my question. So, Boba Fett, he's we get to see the escape from the Sarlacc pit, which is great because I one of the things that that I miss the most about his new outfit is there's no like tan, like the color the color tan. It's his khaki onesie that he wore under his original Boba Fett suit. That is like kind of part of his. That's part of his color scheme, and I really miss it. I really don't like that they replaced it with black it looks too like it looks too much like the him and shand are trying to match no mm. I, I i yeah but i got i got a theory for that they're just helping us uh us uh you know th- this big fan here finally have someone i can cosplay as okay <laughs> right because it's because it's just like you know both at over the the length of time after he got out of there, obviously, you know he dealt with some shit. He's with, been you know, living the Tuscan well. Raiders with him, but he's been living pretty good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, was, you know, maybe those uh those little water fruits in the sand what? Are, <laughs> yeah. are just like you know the drink about four thousand whatever those things were about four thousand calories a pop or something. Like, you know, he's getting a little thicker, so the black is to kind of thin him out. And as a, as so a ponchy dude myself, I know exactly what you're talking about. I appreciate right. the ponchy fet, and we are in no way bo- body shaming Tamora Morrison, who is a no. Awesome. Please, I wish I looked as good as he does. Like even with all the fake scars, I wish I looked that good. Um, no, it's just more along the lines of I think it's just the break it up, um, because the flight suit, you know, that he wore underneath, uh, it it was great because of the the pops of color they added because it was very, you know, like that was like probably one of the best things about the original star Wars series for sure. Were all the different like color patterns you would get from sure, people. Yeah. Boba Fett has, you know, he has a lot of great ones, you know, arguably probably one of the coolest suits of armor ever designed ever, um, ever. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's it, it's iconic enough to where this is a character that the creator of Star Wars made. People liked him a ton, and then he was like, okay, watch him die like the biggest chump in the galaxy. He was yep. never supposed to be this, you know, this this huge character. George Lucas obviously was not, like, really interested in him, having him continue on as a, a huge character. But it was so, in, it was so indelibly burned into all of our brains that he's got a, a fucking show now you would uh, if you would ask me back after i saw empire strikes back hey both of will have a show uh whatever like 35 years from now <laughs> i would have been like nah i don't know i'd have been like good yeah he looks, looks so cool yeah but <laughs> he needs some like, redemption how or i mean uh because he went out like such a chump I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? 
That's the that's the biggest crux that Book of Boba Fett is trying to solve for, is to make Boba Fett cool again. Yeah, and that's the thing. The Baba. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, Mababka. Mababka. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's the whole point. Because I would get into so many arguments with people where I'd be like, look, he is really cool looking. But if you look at what he does in the movies, he don't do shit. He does nothing. He, he follows Han Solo. In trash. About, yeah, in trash. Reports on, like, tattles on him. Narcs basically. on him, yep. Yeah, like, and then, like... there he is. And then he, like a classic middle management asshole, he takes Boba Fett's body back to Jabba the Hood's like, Look what I did! I got a mobile! It's all Boba! Right, and he's just like, that's all I did. And then the second time was he was hanging around at Jabba's palace, probably like, well, I don't need to do anything anymore. The most, you know, most expensive bounty in the world. I caught him. I'm, I'm living the good life. And then he fell into a fucking hole in the desert because it got his rocket pack got hit with a stick. Yeah. This lightly dude, tapped. Lightly tapped. You are the best. You were supposed to be the most feared bounty hunter in the world. And you got your shit from Alibaba or Wish.com. Like... <laughs> Like that, if any light physical contact would hit your rocket back, it would just set that shit off. Chump, he's always been a big just chump because he hasn't done anything. Why is it and called a sc- what? Wait a minute, I thought this was made by the Mandalorians. Why is it called? Why is this Scrandalorian armor? What's it embossed on the bottom? What? What's Viscar? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't want to go out there. <laughs> no, too late, Bova. Get out. <laughs> and then, you know, like, I mean, even when he flies onto the skiff, his rocket pack is sideways. <laughs> so he's <Yep>. all... <laughs> <laughs> and then he hits him. He's like, oh, wow, 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 wow. You know, and then he's like, I'll stop you. I'll stop you, Luke. Take this clothesline. <laughs> when this dude is holding a lightsaber, he's like, oh, twip. Like... Just useless, and they've spent so many years building this mystique about him outside of those movies to make up for the fact that they're like, look, we're sorry we killed a really cool-looking character. Um, we're going we're gonna fix it somehow, and that's what Book of Boba Fett is meant to do. You know, because, I mean, look, when he showed up in The Mandalorian... It was badass. I was like, yeah, he was... You know, like this old gunslinger, too. He's just like, pop, 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 And you're like, finally just watching Boba Fett be badass is worth it. And, you know, even though I make so much fun of him, and I call him the biggest chump in cinema history, if you were to come into my office, I have Boba Fett's on all, like, almost every counter, I have something with Boba Fett in it. That's how much I love the, you know, the armor that Joe Johnston and like Macquarie figured out. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the director of the Rocketeer. And of Captain America First Avenger. Of course. Yeah. You know, like a beautiful, beautiful suit of armor. And then so the, they, they earned my 
uh, trust with the Mandalorian. So I was like, oh, let's go into Book of Boba Fett. And the end of it was just like, well, this is world building with the character we know versus world building with the character we don't know, slowly introducing characters we do. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing I really, so <clears throat> the thing I appreciate most about new Star Wars is them adding to the mythology. Uh, I think Bo- Book of Boba Fett so far has done some of that, but there is it does kind of wallow in nostalgia in a way that is just did not really appeal to me all that much. That being said, I'm giving I'm giving it the old college try. I'm giving it a chance because it might take us in a direction that might be totally thrilling. But like I, I I'm like I'm watching it. And I'm thinking like okay, he goes and he he finds overweight Bib Fortuna. Uh, Bib Fatuna. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't wait to cosplay as him either. Finally, <laughs> he kills him, and then that's just it. That's all you need to do to take over Java. And like then you just like everyone accepts you as the new. There's just like so many like sort of structural questions that it's bringing up. Where I'm just like, I never but, wanted to think of this BS. No, but it doesn't, right? Like, I mean, I think the episode does set that groundly that he definitely has not got. Every, he doesn't have everyone on board because everyone's like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah, what, like, what happened to what happened to Fortuna's stuff? Like, Jabba had a whole palace full of employees, and then Boba Fortuna had two... a lot less. <laughs> He's got basically, for what it looked like, is he had nobody. He was just living in that palace rent free, and then Boba Fett well. came in and shot him. Yeah, pretty much. He's just like, hey, I'm squatting here. I'm taking over Fortuna. For Fortuna. Who? Huh? The guy squatting in the palace? Oh, 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 Bob. I got it. I got it. Yeah, no, Um, I, I feel like they established that in trying to figure out his place. Because, you know, that's the thing about Boba Fett. Honestly, outside of him being a bounty hunter and the stuff that they established in Clone Wars. Like, we don't really know what his aspirations would be, right? Like, I never looked at Boba Fett and be like, he'd be a good crime lord. Just never struck me as someone who would be trying to do that. Um, So that's kind of what I'm interested to see them building on. Yeah, um, there could be some interesting stuff there. How did you think, feel about the the monster, this the weird Harryhausen Kraken monster? Oh, looked uh, looked vicious as all shit. Um, but something I'm like, that shit lives on Tatooine, <laughs> exactly. and the motherfuckers are picking mushrooms on moisture viper evaporators, and that fucking thing is like a, maybe a foot down in the sand. Fuck that place. Yeah, that's the thing is that I feel like a lot of times in Star Wars they'll like they'll put out something they don't really explain it, which is fine. I prefer them to not explain these sort of world building details, but it always feels like the sort of the physics or like the biology of whatever they're talking about is kind of figured out. Like even the like let's say the Dianoga, it's like eh, this weird creature that but it lives in trash and you believe that someone like might have thrown it away and then it just lives down there and maybe it has some sort of function. Like it feels like it fits. This thing was just, it was buried like two inches in the sand and what, it, what it just sits there waiting for someone to uncover it, looking for water stones. I, yeah. I don't get its deal. <laughs> I don't, it, like it, it, it felt it, so it, like tacked on for some reason. 
It, I, I mean, it almost just felt like maybe he should have just killed a baby crate dragon by choking the shit out of it. Well, um, yeah, well, think of, well, that's a great point. Like, think about the Mandalorian. Almost had a similar thing with the Jawas and the the Suga, the, that, uh, you know, the egg that they were trying to get. Like, that felt authentic, and it felt like the, like the biome well, and, like, the biology worked. This was just like, well, there's a monster here. Because there needs to well, be. Yeah, see, that is the problem, right? Where Mandalore, where the Mandalorian was, wasn't on Tatooine. And if there's the one planet we've been on to the most with Star Wars is yeah. Tatooine. And this is the first time they're like, oh, by the way, we got this big centaur Goro-looking fucker just lives in the sands. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why did Luke oh, mention this guy? I mean, shit, fuck the Tusken Raiders. If this thing is next to my Jabba fruit or whatever that shit is, like, it's just right there. I'd be like, I'm not going into the waste. <laughs> Have you seen this thing? It got four arms, and it could use the two arms to turn itself into a centaur and run faster? Fuck this thing. This is the scariest thing on Tatooine as far as I'm concerned, because it feels like there's probably more than one of them. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, if this was an MMO, it's got the veteran plate over it. Like, this is an elite mob. Yeah, it's <laughs> got the gold plate. It's got the want... platinum thing around it. You're just like, yeah. oh, no, it's just a skull next to the level. Yeah, you have wandered into the wrong, you are in the wrong level zone, bro. <laughs> and so, like, this thing was certainly scary. But, yes, it does feel like it was there for their sake. Where I would have been like, well, have them kill something that we know lives something. Like I said, like a baby crate dragon or something like that. Something that's just like, you know, it's still dangerous, but not as dangerous as what you dealt with. Establish that they do live on, you know, like Tatooine. We saw one. So now we're seeing like a little one or something. Give us those moments um, versus just creating something there. But to your point, Star Wars doesn't really explains things because Star Wars, even though it takes place in space, isn't really science fiction. It's science fantasy, right? Sure. Like, they don't have to explain. I don't want them. I'm not looking for an explanation know, about all these sort of like these biological or scientific details that I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that I think in previous iterations of monsters they've done, the context in which they appear they they tend to match the environment. Yeah, it it makes yeah. you just like it doesn't take you out of it. And when I saw this thing, I was like immediately taken out of the moment. Not only because it looks almost exactly like the Kraken from that old Harryhausen movie, Clash of the Titans, with a couple like I think it, that that the Kraken might even have had it, four arms. You know, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it might have. But it looked so much like a Harryhausen movie uh, design so different so out of place in the star wars universe that mm. like almost everything about it was just like i was immediately like what yeah i mean that one was it is what it is um at mcdonald's yeah today. yeah <laughs> you get what you get with <laughs> book of boba fett you get yeah, what you, know. you get in the Tatooine desert, trust me about that. Yeah, you, know, you, you will get fucked up. There's a lot of scary <laughs> shit out there. That's what we're trying to say. You know, no one should really live on Tatooine. Listen, don't do the the, the doom dance. 
across the Tatooine Desert. You might be tap dancing on the back of a four-armed monstrosity trying to take a nap. It will rip your leg right off. <laughs> also, also, it's like the they had to... What are these things that have water in them that you, like, you dig literally two inches down in the sand and they're right there? Fucking convenient. That's what they are. Yeah, it's damn convenient. <laughs> like, I mean... They are so close to the surface, I'm surprised people don't trip over them more often. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh there's one. I'm constantly oh. smashing them. I'm constantly like the, they must be, so, the sand people must be so uh, pissed off at the Jawas for like running over so many of those. <laughs> Look at Water rock. It's just, just, it's just like this, just water stained sand, <laughs> sand crawlers have just driven over. It's all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, let them drink out the Jabar Bar fruit or whatever it's called. Desert <laughs> dung or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, hey, it's I, fine. I mean, hey, you know what? We got Matt Berry and uh, Jennifer Grey, though, in the episode, so. No, that's cool Jennifer camp. Beals. Jennifer Grey. <laughs> nope, that's Jennifer Beals. Yeah, you're right. Bro. Jennifer Beals yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Matt Berry from uh, uh, Toast of London and, of course, what we do in the shadows as as the, the hilarious robot. Yeah, he was great. Um, I'll take any show that has Ming-Na Wen in it and um, watch her do space parkour. I'll take it. <sighs> Did not like the space parkour part. Was, <laughs> you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. The fact that ninjas attacked with, like, energy shields was very... Again, a lot of this stuff does not feel very Star Wars-y to me. Well, I just, well, which is okay. Yeah, it's fine to expand right, it. Like, I just wish it was yeah. stuff I liked that they were expanding it into. Well, no, so here's the thing. I need that uncomfortableness. Like, I need them to kind of, like, say there's more to it. Um, That being said, you know, ninjas with shields and pikes uh, that show up out of the blue. Um like were less of a concern to me than like what happened to Boba Fett that he needs to like like I'm I'm wounded take me to the back to tanks. <laughs> he did. He, we didn't see any of that in the Mandalorian. He wasn't yeah, just that, like all ow I scraped my knee back to time. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm trying to figure out what that is about. So that's Maybe kind of one a of the back to addict. Maybe that'll be an interesting thing. Well, I mean, obviously, it's like it's hearing, it's healing his scarring up, so that way they don't have to do the makeup on him, uh-huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. So I'm, I'm all for that, but the certain point where, like, I feel like Boa Fett could fight like six dudes, especially with Fennec, who is just mud hole stomping dudes left and right as well. Like, you could fight six dudes with shields. So I'm like, why is it, why is this such a tough fight, um, for him? And he's like. Gamorian, take me to the back to tank after he absolutely disintegrates a dude with a rocket. Yes, um, that was cool. And I think I like the fact that the Gamorians kind of saved the day. That's fun. I like a Gamorian guard myself. I don't know if you should ever see them in broad daylight. I don't know if that's something you want to do with, <laughs> with the makeup and the prosthesis. Oh, fuck it. Like, I'm for it. Like, at this point, at least I'm watching Gamorreans do something other than get force choked or, like, stand at doorways. Yeah. Right? Like, there's supposed to be these scary, 
you know, these scary dudes. And most of the time you'd see them, you're like, oh, fuck these guys. But in this instance, like, oh, shit, they run around with butcher knives in their underwear. They're going to kill everybody. Yep. Yeah, that, guy had a, that guy had a big old butcher knife in his diaper, and he came at that ninja like crazy. He'd really slice yeah. that guy good. He had sandals on, and that was it. Like, <laughs> not had, a care in the world. He had Crocs and a diaper. You see that big green pig man coming at you in Crocs and a diaper? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I would have wanted a diaper, too. Cause I he would looks like me when I throw out the trash. <laughs> That's how I look like a Gamorrean. <laughs> Crocs going, oh, yeah, that used to be me in L.A. Because I was, you know, living the shorts life down there. So it was just sandals and shorts uh, you know, just, just running <laughs> towards someone with a, with a, a repurposed Klingon prop. Is that a bat left? It looks no. like a, a mech left or whatever the the like Worf's knife that he used that he preferred to a, a bat left. It looked almost exactly like it, but I'm sure it's not. They got the yeah, well, to make a new knife, a new I dull mean, ass knife. I mean, I'll take it. I mean, the end of it. I think, like you said, I'm gonna stick with it and see where it goes. I'm actually not expecting that much from. Yeah, me, show? me neither anymore. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't beforehand. My my expectations were fairly high because uh, you know the Mandalorian is legitimately great, and yeah. so I was my expectations were up there because it's the same creative team more or less, and uh, and so now, yeah, I think it, I, I, my I, expectations are down to where you're at probably. Well, yeah, where I set my mm-hmm. because I'm always <laughs> prepared to be disappointed. Smart. So, but. More importantly, it just, I felt it would be the inverse. Where, like, Mandalorian, initially, I was like, you're going to have to earn my trust. And then they did. And I was like, wow, this is a great show. It's a character I don't know, but I really like. Um, you know, the, the stories themselves are curt. But, you know, it's like, from his perspective, in the, you know, in the Star Wars galaxy, which is different. And then starting to layer in some people that we know from... You know, the past series and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. Just a few. Just a few yeah. of the minor characters. Well, I mean, it took a whole season. Sure did. Right? Like, it, like season two is like season two fan service. Yeah. And I was all for it. <laughs> yep. Because it was still from his perspective, right? Like, I'm still yes. like, like, his goals are different. With this one, I was like, what does Boba Fett do? It's cool to see him on the throne. Honestly, you could have left it like that. And I would have been like, "All right, cool. I guess he just went down there." And he's like, "This is my this is my house now." I kind, and that was to it. To be honest, I kind of that's a great point. I would have loved to have have them kind of leave that up to our imagination. That being uh, again, we haven't seen the whole Boba Fett series, so it could yeah, I think go in a different direction. Yeah, I think this has to help us because now that we know Boba Fett is alive, how they're going to how he's going to get intertwined with the. Um, know mandalorian season three or other star wars shows i feel like what book of boba fett is there to do is to set up like a bunch of other spinoffs on top of what mandalorian has done just by layering in some additional characters so you know I'll, i'll i'll for sure be for the full run i wasn't expecting anything out of it i thought a lot of the visual storytelling was cool i loved the the POV shot through the visor and seeing sure. the two, yeah. you know, like those are the things I enjoyed. Those are little, uh, yeah. The little Tuscan kid, I'd have, I'd have killed him right away. 
Yeah. Like, oh, the 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 forearm beast, you know. <laughs> but we're honestly learning that you know Boba Fett has a moral code that we didn't really know. Like, I think we're gonna learn more about Boba Fett through this, just because of the fact that no one has really thought about Boba Fett other than the, you know, like the comic books and you know, like his very bounty hunter dogmatic ways. Sure. We're learning there's more to him. So while I don't think it was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's Star Wars. It's on TV and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, the one thing I'll say before we transition to the matrix is, uh, um, Boba Fett's teeth were incredibly white and very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for Tamora Morrison. So it looks like he's got some some awesome chompers there, and good for him. Good way to take care of your teeth or whatever is happening there. But uh, it was like they were white to the point of, I don't know if you've ever watched Friends, but there was that point where Ross got his teeth whitened, and they were so white they were distracting the entire episode, including when he went into a blacklight room. That was kind of how <laughs> I felt watching uh, the, man, uh, the sorry, Book of Boba Fett. Hey man, when you got them pearly whites, Wait. and then they're beyond the color pearl, yeah, like when you're just in white, you're doing all right for yeah. yourself. <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they say. I mean, I feel like you know you spend enough money on the teeth like he has. I'm sure that you got to show them off. I would be doing yeah. really crazy grins and like snarling constantly if I had spent that much money. On all them. the fuck, I would be the loudest chewer you would ever see. Yeah, I would laugh like this. <laughs> yeah, yep. you would get everything. Mm -hmm. I would still be wearing my underwear and my Crocs, yep. but you'd definitely be getting <laughs> But you got the big old choppers, and that's what matters. Yeah, got to show these things off. Got to show off your choppers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so let's talk. Let's transition. Let's talk. We saved it for less. Just when mm -hmm. you thought the moment has passed, you and it saved the best for last. Um, so let's talk about the Matrix. The, the The Matrix Four was released, and kind of I don't I don't know about you, but I felt like this all happened so quick. Usually, with a film of this magnitude, you hear rumors, and we we have been hearing Matrix rumors for a really long time, but it felt like they were just like, oh yeah, no, this is in development, and then it was just out. It felt like it was so quick in comparison to these other developments that seemed to languish on forever, but um, it was released on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously. Uh, when? Right before Christmas? Yeah, the 22nd of December. Uh, December. Yes. yes. And I, uh, so it came out, and I waited, I asked my little brother, because uh, it's weird calling somebody who's in their 30s little but i asked my younger brother uh if he wanted to watch it because you know we had plans to get together for the whole family for uh for christmas but then you know omicron happened and a bunch of snow happened up here and so it was it was those plans were canceled so instead i hosted my younger brother over at my house and uh, i decided one of the things we we're gonna do is watch the matrix and so we sat down christmas day and uh, watched it after our gift exchange and before dinner. And, uh, John, I, it sounds like you have a lot to say about it. I feel like, between not really liking the Book of Boba Fett, but giving it a chance, 
and my upcoming opinion about the Matrix, I'm going to be having all sorts of controversial opinions. This is our first episode of 2022, but uh, uh, how did you uh, see the Matrix? Um. So, um, uh, so you know how I feel about the Matrix as a whole. I um, do, refresh my memory. You like the first one, uh, and the rest of them are garbage, or I think the first one's bullshit, and then they just keep getting more and more bullshit. Okay, that is my so own you, opinion. So you're starting at a place of not liking it in the first place. Yeah, like to where I was like, I'll watch it because you put it on HBO max and i don't need to go anywhere to see it or pay money because i i usually rate movies by where i would watch them and this one was a complete and utter i'll wait for it to come on network television okay and so that then, you were, it was the, the price was right for you if that was it so we you know i didn't have to rush out and see it right away um i saw the one teaser trailer for it i think um just just to watch it and i was like oh, okay well that's a thing um and so we didn't watch it till actually new year's day originally we were gonna watch it on new year's eve but i had a uh, my uh, friend harrison over and he was like look i saw it and uh, i don't want to watch it again <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and i was like that's cool you know i haven't seen you in a while so we'll just watch other things that we enjoy um like anything on youtube that isn't matrix anyway so we watched it yesterday for um uh, so i could uh, be well acquainted with it and uh yeah that's how i saw it <laughs> yeah it's a it's a polarizing movie it's gotten like generally good reviews overall from critics and but people people either like it or hate it so much that they can't under they literally cannot understand people who like it. Like they can't understand why people would like it. That's seems like the reaction I'm seeing online. Yeah. Um I'm not there. If I had to give you my unofficial matrix rating, if I had to put them from best to worst matrix, uh -huh. which is funny. I'd go the first matrix is number one. This one is number two. Uh, number three is number three and number two is number four. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a reloaded revolutions though. I couldn't remember the names. Um, yeah, it, <sighs> like I said, I was already going into this was like, I literally told my wife, I was like, look, I don't need to see this movie, and I would be okay. Like, uh -huh. you know, you know, like I, <laughs> I get you. That is that is what has happened to me with the Matrix. I remember the first time I saw the Matrix, I knew nothing about it. I didn't see the trailers. I didn't even know it was coming out. My brother was like, "Hey, we're gonna go see a movie today." I was like, "Cool, what is it?" And they're like, "The Matrix." I said, "What's that?" And they're like, "Oh, it's Kung Fu and guns. It'll be fun." And I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Kung Fu and guns. This is so good. And then, like, my other friends were like, let's go watch, you know, hey, you want to go watch a Matrix? I'm like, hell, yeah, let's go watch a Matrix. That movie was Kung Fu and guns. But the second time I watched it, I was like, this movie's kind of bullshit. Because <laughs> now I can pay attention to it, and I don't know what it is. And then the third time I saw it, I was like, I don't like this movie that much. <laughs> like, like, it's too long. 
Um, and maybe, you know, the thing is like, there's a lot of themes that obviously now I understand are there versus, you know, my adolescent brain back then, or my definitely my younger brain back then. And there are a lot of allegories that I might not have picked up on and still wouldn't pick on because that's not who I am. And this movie clearly outlines what those past movies were about. And, you know, which I think was kind of good for everyone who just wanted a sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, they, they needed more Matrix, which I was like, no, you don't. No one needs more <laughs> of this. But um, it just it was just one of those series where it was just like, yeah, there were some cool visuals and moments. I wasn't grokking the overall story from the rip. Um, and, you know, I never really bought into it. So with this one, with Resurrections, it's like, why are you making this? Is this a cash grab? Who asked you to make this? Did they tell you they were going to make this without you? And this is why, you know, like Lana Wachowski was like, well, I'm going to make it then. Like what happened here to get this movie made? Because I have to admit the one thing I dig about it, there is a level of self referentialness in it that just feels like, I don't know if it's like a middle finger to WB or like, it was planned all along. Like, I do not know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, so I'm coming at it from a different perspective. I loved the first Matrix and yeah. then was sequentially disappointed by the following movies. I, I just didn't like, there was, I didn't like where the mythology went. The story didn't go where I was thinking it might. And I felt like the, the entire like what what actually happens in those three movies is not a very satisfying story. Um and so when this movie was announced I was I kind of had the same reaction as you at even though I come from such a different like fan background I was still like why are they making this? It's like they wrapped up their story, they told a, like a complete arc. I didn't like it, but it's done. Like your main characters are gone. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, Lana Wachowski's back. Lily Wachowski is back in some capacity as well. And they are making this this movie with Keanu Reeves is back, which makes no sense if you've seen all three movies because he dies quite, you know, definitively. Trinity's back, which makes even less sense since she was, she had the most rebar impaled through her that i've ever seen in any sort of movie so again that didn't make sense either and so i was just mm -hmm. like there was something about it where i was just like what is happening is and like you said is this a cash grab like who asked for this and why is it happening that being said i watched it and with everybody in the room and we all watched it we watched it to the end and everyone kind of took a moment and we said, well, that was a movie. Like that was okay. That happened. And everyone was sort of like dumbfounded with what they had seen because it's a really challenging movie. And I think part of why it's so challenging is because it's really angry. The movie is like really upset, not only with like the state of fandom as it exists today, but it felt like this, it, f it felt like uh, Lana Wachowski was like talking about, like was just talking directly to the audience and saying, 
we did this creative thing and it was like an expression of our creativity. It was an original story that we had created. And like a lot of people didn't like where we took the story, even though this was where we wanted to take it. And then, because you have to, like, this movie exists in a world where the original movie, its concept of a red and blue pill, has been adopted by a very toxic portion of the internet. The, the you know, on Reddit, there was the red pill subreddit, which was, like, just this collection of trolls. These And it was, like, this terror... It was, like, really hurtful things came out of that corner of the internet and i can't imagine as a creative where you put like your because when you put some when you're an artist when you're a creative you when you put something like that out into the world that's like a piece of your soul i don't want to be cheesy or anything even though it sounds cheesy but like that's a piece of you that you're putting out there and then someone takes it and like perverts it and twists it into you know into their own ideology that must feel so terrible. So this is like the world where this movie exists. And watching this movie, it felt like, like you're saying, it's self-aware and it's self-referential in a way that is very angry at what has happened with its fiction. And it, in a way, I think it's trying to sort of take it back, but it, I think it is a fuck you to Warner Brothers in a way, which is crazy. I... Like, there's that whole line where, like, they're talking about how, you know, we. I'm glad you decided to make this next Matrix game because we were going to do it without you, you know, whether or not you were going to. It's going to be made anyway. And that has to be just a recitation of exactly what these peop- these creative, the Wachowskis, what they felt because they don't own this property outright. There was no doubt that another Matrix movie was going to be made. And so it literally just drags them back to this property that they've, they're done with. And they're just like, hey, this is like, the movie is a crazy, subversive commentary on like capitalism and fandom and corporations in a way that I was shocked by. And I, it took me a really long time to process the, this because there's like a couple parts in it that are kind of corny in a way that, that makes you think, oh, wait, no, this movie's actually bad. And, like, any of this other stuff I'm inferring, or, you know, I'm I'm inferring, it's just projection. It's something I'm projecting onto it. Mm. But I don't think so. I think it is, like, one of the most impressive, subversive pieces of pop culture that has been made in a long time. I, re- I actually ended up really, after thinking about it for a long time, and really, like, living with these feelings... I ended up really loving it, and I don't know if it's because I am also someone who I I think I'm creative, and I think I come up with interesting stuff. But like, it's difficult to to put yourself out there and be that vulnerable. So I feel like I've not to say I'm comparing myself to the Wachowskis who are so much more prolific than I am, but it was definitely resonated with me as a creative in a way that I I didn't expect. So I definitely came down on the the side of. I ended up actually. I, I really love that movie, and I am looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so just I was like ranted for fifteen minutes. Yes. Well. Yeah. Anyway, I like. Yeah, it. it's. 
It, I mean, yeah, it's a movie. I, yeah, like <laughs> that's true. It, it, I mean, there are parts. I, I think where you're, what you're hinting at. Because those are the things that I was picking up on. It just felt like, it felt very much like I remember, you know, the writer Thomas Harris. Mm -hmm. I wrote, you know, uh, Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs. Sure. You know, Hannibal, all those, right? Uh Uh-huh. Most of his books, every book he's ever written has gotten optioned for a movie. But he himself is a super recluse, right? Like, he doesn't do interviews really... He he rarely gets seen in the public eye, you know. Real like uh, Bill Wither, uh, Bill Watterson from like Calvin and Hobbes, you mm-hmm. know, type of thing. He just lets the work speak for itself, and um, he goes along that. And I remember, you know, like he was good with Silence of the Lambs. I told these stories. There you go, and then th- that was the first time he got pressured into writing a book. Because someone was saying, hey, we want to bring Hannibal back. And he's like, eh, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, I'd rather write something new. And they're like, well, we're going to bring him back. And we would love you to do it. Other words, saying that if you don't, we own the rights to this. So we'll just go ahead and make one without you. Mm -hmm. And that first brought him back in. And that happened with both Hannibal and Hannibal Rising. Like, they were like, we want the origin story of Hannibal. He's like, I don't want to tell it. You know, it's been intimated through the books. Let people's imaginations know. Well, we we really want this movie, and we're going to make it with or without you. And it brought him in. And this is very much what it felt like they did with this movie. To your point, however you feel about the original trilogy, it wrapped up. You know, it's donezo. You don't need to make another one. The only reason why you would make another one is because you're trying to make, you know, more money off of this IP owned. But the the story and the creators, to you, again, to your point, have moved on so much so that Lily Wachowski isn't that much of a participant in this one. Yeah, right. Like that. That is how divided they were on this, and everything that I was seeing there, you know, it being self-referential or whatever. Felt like, yeah, it was very much a fuck you to everyone wanting to bring this back when they were kind of done with it. And um, so in that regards, it's pretty cool. Um, I do think some of the cheesy things were done on purpose. Like some of, you know, uh, Keanu's acting was hella wooden, like more so than normal (laughs) Keanu acting. But then when he got closer to, you know, Trinity, the level of acting and the, the, the voice cadence and all that stuff changed and it was, you know, a lot more assured or whatever. Um, I love the bugs character. I think she was great. Uh, was Jessica Henwick. Oh yeah. She's uh, so, she's like, she was the best part of iron fist and does like definitely carried that series and, and just is a breath of fresh air in this one as well. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. I didn't care for, you know, uh, um, uh, wish.com uh, Morpheus. Um, I, under- <laughs> I understand that why they did it. good, though. I mean, he's great. Mor- I he's mean, Lawrence Fishboard is dead in this, uh, in, in this timeline. Well, I, I get it. But, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, like, may, you know, like, 
Um, it's hard to, I mean, what a tough act to follow. It is. And I mean, those, he was the enjoyable part for me for, you know, those movies for so long was more, was Morpheus. Um, and then to have that just kind of taken away by this, uh, you know, younger, fitter dude. Um, there is that, I think a lot of my big problems were, um, a lot of the fight scenes, because they definitely didn't do second unit. They definitely didn't bring the team that worked on the films originally. No. Um, if my yeah. understanding correctly is Lana Wachowski actually did all the shooting for all the fight scenes. Um, and they had the, the dudes who did John Wick. I mean, even the director of John Wick was in this movie. Um, played uh, uh, Tiffany, Trinity's character's husband. Oh, okay, yeah. So who and that guy was the stunt double for Keanu Reeves in the original Matrix. So it's like she did meet up with a Neo, not just the Neo. But anyway, <laughs> you know, like so the fight scenes to me were like, you know, at this point they set the bar so high originally, and everyone now has figured out a way to exceed it. That like to see them in this space it was like, eh, all right, whatever. <laughs> And then, like, you know, uh, Jedi uh, Neo here, just with, he only has enough uh, force juice for just force push and force deflect, I guess. And I was just like, is this because they didn't want Keanu Reeves looking like, oh, well, he just looks like John Wick now. So we don't want him acting like John Wick in this. So he's just going to keep, there was just like a, a lot of that that I was almost just like, Fuck it. Don't even put that shit in these movies. Don't have them fight at all. Or give me something other than the things that I'm expecting because those were just like, yeah. But maybe I'm definitely one of the fans. Put that in quotes. Fans that um, was being talked to and about, like, just my need for just mindless action. Um, Bullet time. Yeah, I mean, I think that that definitely is part of the subversion, uh, at least uh, in my mind. And you're right. Aside from the, uh, like, well, I know Lily Wachowski was on the set for, because uh, I've seen pictures of it, but had very little, uh, had very little actual involvement in this besides the characters based on credit uh, in the in the actual credits. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, there was something about it that that really resonated with me. But I that being said, like I also get why someone wouldn't like it. Like if if you're not willing to sort of peel back the layers of of this movie and and sort of understand what the or not understand necessarily, but acknowledge what the artist is talking about, and you just want another like cool cyberpunk cyberspace kung fu like gun like shootout uh movie you're gonna be incredibly disappointed because this this movie exists in a world where guns it's not cool anymore or at least it's not as cool (laughs) depending on who you are to glorify gun violence in a way that the original matrix i think could be pretty uh, convincingly accused of doing and this this one like the heroes hardly ever fire a gun once if maybe never yeah, but everybody around him is just 
shooting people super indiscriminately. Oh yeah, and I think that that's part of like it's it's kind of hanging a hat on that and and lampshading it in a way that I think is really interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I, I the the one the one tried and true character for me through all the Matrix's movies, not Neo, not Morpheus, has always been Trinity. She's always been one of my favorite characters. That was no different in this one. Um, yeah, she was great. Um, great. I thought that Bugging. the 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 fact that they made these new sort of like evil agent type characters in the swarm was very again, it's maybe it's ham-fisted, maybe this is like really kind of cheesy sort of metaphorical social commentary that we're talking about, but uh, man, like the the whole sort of like this, you can change this whole mob of people's minds and they will just go after somebody was very, felt very much like commentary. Yeah. 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 Uh, I wasn't a fan of King George's uh, Agent Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, impossible act to follow. Well, the no, the, the thing is Hugo Weaving would have done this film. I had to read. I was like, did they ask him or did they just say, hey, no, we're just going to be like, uh, you'll be back. Yes, you'll see. He's going to be Agent Smith one day. Jonathan, Jonathan Groff guy. And I was like, why didn't you get Hugo even? It was because he was doing theater. I'm like, motherfucker, it's a pandemic. What theater are you doing? Yeah. Hey, so, like, what are you doing, there. buddy? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Weaving? What are you doing? Yeah. You uh, should have weaved the theater. I see. So I think the thing is the the reason why I said the other movies were kind of bullshit is there's depth, and then there are people trying to be deep, and to me at the time it felt like that was the case. I agree. You know, was, I I actually agree. I think I think that those original movies, a lot of people. Ascribed depth to them, where I find like I look watching them, I find I find it hard myself anyway to 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 see the same thing that they're looking about or that they're talking about. Yeah, I just don't see it, and you know, again, I I you know, there's a lot that I couldn't you know never mentioned but like there's a lot of like buzzwords i mean and the buzzwords are mentioned in this movie you know they're like crypto fan you know and, uh, fascism and all this stuff and it just feels like a bunch of angry angsty things that you would stitch together and try to create some level of depth there and maybe that's the thing maybe i'm just too dumb to see it and doubtful and they've burnt through well i mean i was you know i was talking to my wife about this i don't watch movies for layers of depth anymore and i you know i barely watch movies about the human condition no at our age because, i mean come on we see well, we see that experience the human condition everywhere I need, well that's it i need escapism in my entertainment and that's what it is but i mean i think i was there beforehand so like there are a lot of like you know allegories and things that i just might be missing because that is not what i'm looking for like to your point, I am just looking for a moment of escapism. Yeah. Um, and it just felt like in this instance, look, it's my second favorite Matrix movie, but to me overall, that's not saying much. No, um, <laughs> no it's not. 
you know, there were parts in it that I went like, eh, the parts that what I know the matrix for didn't really stand out. I mean, even the soundtrack was just different. And I was just like, man, where's the techno? Where's the EDM? And maybe that's like, you know, it was another middle finger to us all just expecting certain things, but it just didn't feel like, um, in a weird way, it didn't really feel like a matrix movie, but I don't really think it did it any favors, um, to me, but you know what? That means if you like it, I won't be taking up bandwidth rewatching it. So you, you'll be able to watch it and all the luscious K's you got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I want to say that I, I don't think it's really a middle finger to people, but I, I do think it is a commentary on it. And I think the movie is yeah, subversive yeah. in a lot of ways, but I don't think it's like actively antagonistic towards its, its, uh, its audience. I think it is a much like the original matrix was very much a product of its time, the politics of the time and the aesthetics of the time. I think this Matrix movie is all is also that, but to the time we're living in right now. So I, I know a lot of the reaction was kind of like, oh, well, this is literally saying, like, fuck you to the fans that wanted something different. But I don't, I mean, I don't really think that's true. It's not fan service, but it's not the opposite either. No, I, I agree with you there. I don't think it's directed towards, you know, the fan, I think it's directed towards the corporate holders who mm-hmm. yeah. put this in motion. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's what it really feels like. You know, and that's the thing is Warner Brothers will take things on the chin. They normally do. They're like, whatever. You know, just just make the thing. Okay, you say it. You, you, you'll say what you say and whatever. But, like, I mean, this is this is just a lot of deep, like, it felt to me like we didn't want to make this movie. You wanted the, this movie made, so this is the movie that we're going to make. And we're just going to take the mirror, turn it around, and tell you everything that you couldn't figure out on your own. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> to compare it to a, to another venerable franchise, it's like when uh, they made the Wayans make Scary Movie 2. And they didn't want to, and so that they basically just made it the most expensive movie possible. <laughs> that, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just like Scary Movie 2. All right, everyone out there, if you take anything away from the show, <laughs> The Matrix of Resurrections is the Scary Movie 2 of the Matrix series. There you go. There you go. That's the pop saga. Uh, that's, our <laughs> that's our stamp. That's what we're talking about. Um, okay well i think unless there's any other things you want to say about the matrix john i think that's gonna do it for us this week no i'm good all right pal um so let's get into the acknowledgments as we wrap this show up everyone's favorite time has finally come the end of the show is here and so as always let's thank burton m6 for the incredible theme song check out our show notes for a link to his fiverr page Check him out, share the love, and spread his name around if you want. If you'd like to support the ongoing production of this podcast, the best way to do that currently is to tell more people about it. Get your friends listening. Get your friends hooked to the Pop Saga universe. Come on back. Make it the saga of your own to listen to us every single Thursday for the rest of your life. 
Um, and <laughs> uh, beyond that, if you want to direct uh, to contribute to us directly, of course, there's our merch store. There's mugs. There's T-shirts. There's all sorts of fun stuff with our logo on it. And we have a brand new logo. If you, I hope you yeah. appreciate that. Check that out. It was a brand new for you know 2022 looks great yeah it's it encompasses more of our oeuvre with the little video games in there so zoom uh, tight (laughs) um and uh as we always like to say at the end of every show however you're listening to this wherever you're listening to this we hope that you are happy and healthy and we'll see you next week remember folks we still know podcasting. Yeah, it's like we know kung fu. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. That was bad. I'm not going to redo it. Anyway, uh, happy 2022, everybody. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.